We had a question around the weekly campfire from a student and we thought it would make an awesome episode. They asked, we can pretty much move anywhere. How do we work out where to start looking? Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. And that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and bucket loads of stories and avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. Come on the journey with us. We want you to become an educated home buyer so you can stop looking for your first time and actually become a proud homeowner. We will help you get to where you want to be without missing a step or making rookie mistakes. We've got loads of free tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll get access to our free webinar, how to buy your first home with the right amount of debt. You'll also find the holy grail of home buying education, your first home buyer guide, the online course of people who want to be educated home buyers. We have created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change rapidly. So always check with the relevant government authority or your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about a different way to look outside your own area for alternative places to buy in. But before we get into that, do you have a special house behind you this week, Megan? What is this We one? are going on a virtual road trip, Veronica, and this is the ultimate RV. This is a $2.3 million motorhome. <laughs> and if I'm going on a road trip, that's what I'd like to be in. Oh, my God. Look at that. Look at the LED lights on the ceiling. If you're not watching this, it is luxurious. I mean, this just looks like home. Narrow home. Narrow luxury. Yeah, it looks. It, it's like um, like a Gulf Stream. You know, one of those those private jets on oh, wheels. It used to be like that. Um, <laughs> not that I've been between, on one personally. Cross cross between a stretch Hummer. It's pretty tacky with those LED lights. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two and a half. We're just saying two and a half million dollar motorhome. My two, God. Yeah, right. And that's US dollars. You might not be a first home buyer if you can afford one of those. So <laughs> we can all dream. We, let's take off on our own virtual road trip because that's what this episode's all about. Okay, so we had a question from a student around campfire. And campfire is, of course, where our students have exclusive access to ask us questions every single week. So Sharon, we're going to call her Sharon today, she said, we live in Canberra, but it's expensive. So how do we work out where to buy? And we agree. Canberra and lots of other places around the country are really expensive <laughs> And it's certainly not going to get any easier. In fact, at one point, I remember Kent Lardner, you know, my, yeah. my data geek mate, 
He told me, he predicted, he reckoned Canberra was going to become more expensive than Sydney. Oh, how's that tracking? I don't think it's quite there yet, but it's certainly up there. So, yeah, I get why as a first home buyer you're thinking, okay, if we don't have to stick here, let's get our heads out over the parapet and start looking around. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so first and foremost, you know, the, the way that we approached this was to apply the three-piece strategy. Now, if you don't know what that is, then go and check out our Kickstart tutorial package and you'll you'll get yourself on the right track to start with. So the three P's, they, Veronica, are price, property, and position. So first question to Sharon was price. You know, price. Yeah. Yep. Like m- most first home buyers, they have a maximum borrowing capacity, and that's it. Yep. Pretty hard, hard ceiling on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so when they when they put their borrowing capacity together with their savings, gives them a maximum purchase price of around eight hundred and fifty thousand. Um, that's allowing for stamp duty and purchasing costs, but doesn't take into account if they get any any sort of incentives or grants because they're not letting that guide their property decisions. Tick, tick, they've done the course. They know what to focus on and what to leave behind. Which is so, great. Yeah. But, so, and the thing with price, just to step in there, is that most first-home buyers are pretty fixed, you know. Some first-home buyers have flexibility there, and that's why we talk about these three Ps being the price, the property, the position – is it sometimes if price can be flexible, then you don't have to be as flexible with property and position. But as we're going to tell you as this unfolds, if the price is fixed, either the property or the position or maybe both has to flex quite a lot. And you've got to work out which one and how much. And so that's what we're taking you through here. Absolutely. So so that's the thing about uh, your compromises. This is where at a high level, you're trying to work out well, what can I compromise on and what can't I Compromise on price, non-negotiable, can't be compromised. That's it, set. So on to property, which this is the second of the three Ps. Now, what Sharon told us was they both work from home. They both got children. Oh, sorry, they have two children, not both children. They one have two each. children they have together. One each. <laughs> <laughs> one for each hand. No, one for each parent. One Isn't for each car door. When you, when, you, when you have two children, you go, yeah, but if we have a third, where, where's the other person going to be that, you know, kind of keeps them in check? But anyway, I didn't go that far, so I always had- No, I was one of three. I, I two hands. I two kids. It works fine. Yeah. I got one. No, I got two hands and one kid. It's all good. <laughs> anyway, anyway, they've only got two as well. <laughs> trouble, uh, yeah, they got two children who are homeschooled and they have some pretty unique requirements about the home because of some of those factors. So there's a limit on the compromises in terms of property requirements. Yeah, they need a certain amount of bedrooms. They need home study space. You know that they really can't sort of squeeze them all into a little two bedroom house. Yeah, <laughs> they need some space. Absolutely. And a little bit more digging revealed that they can actually move anywhere, like anywhere. And you should have seen Veronica and I during this this Q and I going. Anywhere? Anywhere? <laughs> really? <laughs> there's no, like, there's no, you're not, doesn't matter where your family anywhere. So it was like, whoa. But it's too scary in a way. You know, you can have too many requirements and then you can have too few. And it's like you need some parameters to give you at least some sense of containment. But to, over, you know, buying your first home is overwhelming enough without literally being able to move anywhere in the country. You know, it's hard when it's too narrow. But it's also hard when it's too big. Too wide, like, yeah. How do you, you know, what do you do? Like it's super exciting. And 
now the country is their oyster, which understandably, as you say, that's overwhelming. You know, there's there's so much and so many options to look yeah. at. So how do we start? How do you start now? You suggested, and this is a great place to start, looking at suburbs around Canberra and then slowly sort of moving further, further out. So tell us a bit more about that. Well, I mean, Canberra is a relatively small space place in the whole scheme of things when you think about its capital of the country, but it's sitting in the middle of New South Wales. There are towns, in fact, quite a major town called Queenbian, which is outside Canberra. Now, I don't know the prices of Queenbian off the top of my head, but the very first thing I'd be thinking is, well, okay, well, that'd be my first port of call. Let's look at there. Let's look at what I might be able to buy there. And maybe Queenbian's not for them. But maybe it is, and and that sort of got them a bit inspired because well, actually, there's a few other places around about where we live that we could go and and check out. So I'd say that that's that's the starting point, and you can start fanning out from there. And also, they can start help as you look in different areas. You start to get a sense of ah, these are the thoughts of things that are different here versus there, and you can start to shape up what it is you're after in a different area. I think that's a really key point, actually, Veronica, because. There are different things that different areas offer, you know, different regional areas offer, whether you like the cold climate or you like a warm climate or you like, you know, a sports-based area or a culturally-based area. So I think really important point, and we should probably um, expand on that later, but it is it is sometimes if you're opening up the country as, as the oyster shell and it's popped open and you're going, well, what do we really want? Some of those cultural aspects, if you don't have to work somewhere in particular and your children aren't in a particular catchment for a school, um, it's a it's a good way to start. Yeah. And also, we also sort of touched on focusing on other major capital cities, you know, as a, st- as a starting point and the types of areas that have strong in- indicators for capital growth. Um, so looking at it more of an investment-led approach. And so it might be that you say, okay, well, um, obviously not Sydney or Melbourne. If Canberra is too expensive, then probably rules out Sydney or Melbourne. What about, say, Brisbane? What about Newcastle? What about Adelaide? So you might look at some of those other um, capitals or major cities in terms of population to, to, to start exploring there because, you know, I think that you can see that they're, well, like anyone, right? We, we talk about a stepping stone tutorial. Uh, Megan mentioned earlier our sort of kickstart tutorial bundle. The stepping stone tutorial is part of that. And because your first home is not very rarely anyway, going to be your forever home, right? So you want to look for those investment fundamentals wherever you're buying and in whatever you're buying. So that's it's an important consideration there. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And then that led to <laughs> and that Megan's great to- suggestion. <laughs> Why about a virtual road trip? <laughs> Which is what we're taking you on now. Just an off-the-cuff, co- honest to God, it was just an off-the-cuff comment and her reaction was like, what? <laughs> So we thought, well, let's, let's really have a look at this. How could you actually do this? And um, and and it did lead to quite um, a great discussion and debate between Veronica and I because we both approached this a little bit differently. So I thought if we both share that, then, you know, there's no set in stone way of doing this. There are different ways that you could actually approach looking at the whole country and working out with a set budget, what are my options? Where could I possibly live? Um, so that's what we're going to do now. So let me just, you know, years ago I went to the Tamworth Country Music Festival. Um, no, I literally went there, didn't actually go there. Yep. And, um, and when I was there, I despaired at good food. I love, you know, I love good food and, 
And so I came up with this theory that the reason that there wasn't much good food there was because it's not close to a wine region. So this is my theory. I'm not saying this is, this is not 100% reliable, but because um, you can get good food in Byron Bay, but that's not close to a wine region. So it's not the only determinant. But I sort of figured that for me, when I thought about all the country towns that I really enjoy being in, they're ones where they've got a real food culture. And I thought there's a, there's a real close tie in with wine region. So for me, if I was going to lay out the map, I'd start with wine regions. That'd be me. Where would you start with? You'd start with diving, wouldn't you? Well, no, because I actually like to go away on holidays diving, not necessarily dive locally. Mm-hmm. So uh, certainly proximity to be able to get to transport to get me to diving. I'm a real beach lover. I Warm weather, beach, um, even though I live in Brisbane, I know, ironic, but uh, it's it's um, you got the warm weather. Well, you know, I'm tired here with children and business, so there's there's other ties. The world is not my oyster. Um, one day it will be, but yes, certainly the warm weather and 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 a beach culture that has other things other than the beach. So I certainly you know couldn't be a person that could just go to a little little beach village and and have a little you know I, I like you. I like good food and I like to go to cultural events and sporting events and. I do love to be amongst it, you know, whatever it is, I like to be amongst it. So the quiet life is probably not for me, although one day it may well be. (laughs) So that that probably would be the start of of where I might start that search. So I think really good point, Veronica, and I I like that we keep coming back to it is, well, what, what sort of things do I like to do? How do I like to live? And that might start a little bit where to start those circles of, you know, because let's, let's have a look at where, where I went with this, you know. So the question being, where do you start? You know, I would grab a map. I'm a visual person and I'm, I'm tactile, so I need a physical map. I would grab a map of the country and I'd start having a little bit of fun. I would circle places that I'd like to visit. So again, using that, that, that what do I like and what, what would I like to do when I'm, I'm living there? Um, and I'd start to circle some areas that I'd like to visit from my lounge room. Um, and in this case, when price is non-negotiable, I, I wouldn't start, you know, practicality needs to come to the party at some point in time. So, you know, a four-bedroom house in Bondi Beach is not going to fit into their budget. So probably not the area to circle because there's going to be a lot of time spent going, oh, wow, this would be amazing living here just to find out that you can't even get a one-bedroom apartment there for that sort of budget. So no. practicality has to come in. So I'd start by finding areas where the median house price is somewhat close or slightly below their budget. Now, remember, now you can find this information on property portals in the research tab area. Um, you can go on and you can see things about um, suburb mediums, but it can all, it also breaks it down on, on some of the portals to two-bedroom, three-bedroom, four-bedroom. So in this case where it's non-negotiable, they have to have four bedrooms, then they want to be making sure they're looking at the right median, you know, the right price for, for that property type. Yeah, and that's absolutely critical because if you just look at the median for the suburb, you know, particularly if you need more bedrooms than is average in that suburb, you are going to be completely misled. You're going to be going there thinking that you can afford to buy a property there that suits your needs and it will not. Uh, so, so looking at, you know, what's the median for four-bedroom houses or three-bedroom houses or two-bedroom houses or, or three-bedroom apartments and so on. But also in those portals, and particularly in Domain has that segmentation, so that's quite useful. 
Um, but in those portals, you can also see how many properties of that description have sold over the, say, the last, I think, six or 12 months. Because, you know, it's all well and good to say, well, the medium price is um, affordable, it's within my budget. But if they only sell five in a year, it, you know, you don't, it's not a huge pool to choose from. So, so there's just a great intel that you can get. And then you can sort of, I guess, you can start to narrow down your, your, your pencil that I like to visit with. You can overlay that with. And if I did visit, there's a chance that I might actually find property within my budget that might suit my needs. So, so it's just layering it up here. Yeah, love it. Now, we're not suggesting that medians are a great way to do your research. That's that's not. It's just a possible starting point to narrow down the 15,353 suburbs in Australia. So yep. you got to start somewhere. It's a big job. Maybe start with a general area that you think you might like that has the facilities, the temperature, the the climate, the the types of things that you might like and go from there. Um, and remember, Veronica, you're, you're, you're really good at explaining this about the median. The median price is the the point at which half the properties sold for less and half sold for more. So it's just a point in the whole scale. If you lined up every single property that's sold in, a, in a, an area from top to bottom, it's the middle point. It's not the average or the mean. It's the middle point. So half the properties sold In a time for, frame too. In a time frame. So half the properties in that time frame sold for more than that and half for less if you, you like, I love a bell curve, you know, and in a nice smooth bell curve in these suburbs, that would mean that you're the tip of the bell, the, the highest point in the bell curve, but it doesn't always work that way. This is a little bit of theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's important because you're not looking at this as the be and all, an end all. It's just a starting point. You know, there's so much more to work to do after this. This is just your virtual tour that you're going on here, mm -hmm. your virtual roadshow. So, and prices can try change drastically. If the composition of the property types change, you know, for example, if there's a suburb with some waterfront properties but lots that aren't on the waterfront, you have a few waterfront property sales, and that really changes the median house price. Um, if you have none in a, a in the set period of the of the medians, then yeah, that can really make it look like it dropped a lot, but probably they haven't. To really skew it. So the next thing really would be to dig in and have a look at the sold properties in those areas and make sure you look at the, only the recent ones because, you know, on these portals you can get all this information for free, but you can go back years. And, I mean, I remember once doing a search at a place that didn't have many properties for sale and I didn't click that, I didn't twig that I was looking at a property that sold 10 years earlier. I think, this is a bargain. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was easy to do. <laughs> That's great. And as you say, look at those sold tabs because that information is freely available um, and you're just at kind of exploration point here. You're not getting down to the nitty-gritty. You're not digging in and going, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to live on that road or I don't like the kitchen in that one. You know, just you're trying to get an idea of some places to visit on your virtual tour right now. And you know, you can actually then dig a bit deeper into online forums and Facebook groups are a great one because then you start to sort of see, well, how many whinging people are in that area <laughs> and what are they whinging about too? Um, oh, TripAdvisor even, um, InstaFeeds, local businesses and schools. There's another one, I think it's Homely, and I don't know how successful this is, but they have a suburb pages and some people actually really love their suburb and put posts on there and explain why they love it. So sometimes you can you can get a sense of of a place from you know these forums and online um, spaces, and I think the important thing is are these PLUs people like us? You know, do we? 
feel like we are in sync with this sort of people. Is there an alignment here? Can we fit in with this sort of community? Is this is this us? You know, and and that's that. I think that's a really cool way to to get in there and be a bit of a, a an eavesdropper in a way, an interloper, pretender, just for a bit. Sniff around. You're still sitting in the lounge room, yeah? You haven't we haven't got, got any RV. <laughs> <laughs> We're just clocking up those extra hours on our on our iPhone at this point. <laughs> now, if things are looking interesting in an area, pick up the phone and talk to some local agents just to get a bit of an idea about what's good, what isn't good, what are the property types like, you know, those sorts of things. Now, quick tip, ask an agent what they think about a listing that they don't have because <laughs> you will get all the dirt <laughs> from them about what's negative about that street or, you know, that property type or, you know, agents love to tell you what's wrong with everything that they don't have listed and what it is is just intel gathering, <laughs> particularly if they lost the listing as well. Like if they they got extra sore grapes, they got sour grapes as, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they're sort of licking their wounds over, over missing out on that listing. But you can sort of start to build up an, an, a picture of an area. I mean, quite a, I mean, we are in your lounge room here. You haven't left, right? But quite often one of the big mistakes people make when they move to a new area is that they do buy on the wrong side of the tracks before they've got there and understood that there is a wrong side of the tracks. And and it's a very, very easy mistake to make. So you can actually, by gathering this intel at this early stage, you can really start forming a picture and, and can be and it's sort of it's low touch and it's low risk at this point because you're really not physically there. But it's a really great way to start just building up this, as said before, layer upon layer of information to help you decide whether where you really might go on a real road trip. And that's the next step. You know, once you've narrowed down some areas, and, and this is what um, Sharon said to us, I think we might do this virtual road trip and then have For a real, real one, <laughs> which is, just sounds like a lot of fun with, with two kids and, and a portable workplace. So one of my team actually just got back after taking a, not quite a virtual road trip, but a, like they went on a little family holiday in a camper van. She was telling us very funny stories about trying to reverse with a 2.7 metre high camper van. You know, your directions have to be um, pretty good because you can't go under bridges with a height limit of 2.3 metres when you've got a 2.7 metre high camper van. Right. Sudden right hand turn. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, going down a one-way street in a sort of a, in a camp. What do you call it? The camping ground, and sort of realizing you had to reverse, but it's up a hill, and you've only got the wing mirrors. There's like, or the camera just shoots up into the sky because of the angle. So, <laughs> lots of fun stories about <laughs> the perils of what driving around in a camper van. Yes, what an adventure! <laughs> So, <laughs> I think if you could afford a two and a half million dollar camper van, US dollars, like you have there behind you, Megan, then I think you could have um, a driver. Yes, exactly. Get a driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the ultimate in in a road trip having your own driver. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, we hope that that's given you just a little slightly lighthearted, but actually quite practical things to do to just to start opening up your mind as to where else you might start to look. Once, you know, if you decide to look outside the area that you're currently living in and, and the world's your oyster, with, we advise you to start close. 
right? Because and because you want to contain yourself to some degree. It's it's just far too overwhelming to unroll a map of the country. So start close, and as you exhaust those option options then sort of get a slightly bigger map and roll it out and start with what interests you in terms of lifestyle, not just your holidays. As Megan was saying, if she wants to choose a location to go diving, that's more a holiday thing or recreational thing, not an everyday thing. That's my get away from home thing. Yes, whereas I do like to eat every day. So therefore, for me, choosing a, choosing an area with good food is important. But these, these are... Um, you know, these are important things because everybody's unique. And I know a lot of people, for instance, like hiking with their kids or they might bike riding or there's there's lots of different things that you might want to do. Or it could be a code of football and you want to make sure that you're in whatever state has, has good teams that you can join. <laughs> whatever it be, this is very much around you and your preferences and use that and use that as as a starting point. Just, Just to, a starting point, there's a heck of a lot of work to do after this, but this is the fun part. This is the virtual road trip to get you started on opening up potential ideas around different areas that you might be able to explore. Enjoy. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. You can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first-home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide, the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.